You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, as we begin this seminar here, this journey, we ask for your Holy Spirit to please be close to us, so much beauty in the things you've given us. Just, uh, please be with us and help our minds and our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what did Jesus do? And um, I just want to read this here from the book, That I May Know Him. Wonderful devotional book. It's really the last part I'm after, but it's a long sentence. Uh, and the context is nice anyway. It's talking about the incarnation of Jesus. It says, wondrous combination of man and God. He humbled himself to man's nature. He did this that the scripture might be fulfilled. And the plan was entered into by the Son of God. And here it is. It says, knowing all the steps in his humiliation, knowing all the steps in his humiliation, that he must descend to make an expiation for the sins of a condemned, groaning world. Well, I may have left a little bit off there, or did I read it wrong? Oh yeah, the Son of God, knowing all the steps in his humiliation, that he must descend to make an expiation for the sins of a condemned world. Yes, I left something off. But what I really want to point out is just, Jesus knew all the steps that he must take to redeem the human race. And that's really what this class is, this seminar is about, is the steps that Jesus needed to take um, to redeem us. And I will just say this, that um, as I presented these things in my churches, um, the whole series, that is, most of the whole series, has been really, really appreciated. And my, my hope is, is that by God's presence and His mercy and goodness, that we can all get a very rich blessing from, from this. So, um, my message today is called Forever Linked. Okay? Forever Linked. And that's, that's what we're studying. So, um, I don't know how many of you, some of you have had this experience, and I, I could wish this experience for all of you, even though, as I tell the story, you might not wish it for yourself, but, so you're in your tent, and you're in some wilderness place, and you know very well that there's 10 gazillion mosquitoes outside the tent, just longing to get in and eat you. Um, maybe it's chilly out there, but not too cold because the mosquitoes are there. And, however, nature calls and you have to get out of the tent. Okay. And, yeah. yeah. You've been there? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so, finally, after a while, you, you have to make the move. You have to move, right? And you get out there, and hopefully, maybe, uh, you're someplace far away, 
from any man-made light. We call it, you know, light pollution. And so, it's everything I described. Then you happen to look up and you just see innumerable stars. And you, and you're just, you just forget everything else. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, and one of the things that comes to my mind, I think many of our minds, when we see those, just the, the glory of God, the handiwork of God, is the whole idea of eternity. At least in my mind, there's always an association there. And I'm going to spend just a few moments here, probably the next five slides, uh, because this is you know, the steps Jesus took. And so we're starting in eternity past. Okay? And, and moving on from there over the next several days. So, Romans chapter 16, verse 25 says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, and then this, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. Actually, from my memory, I'm pretty sure that the word world isn't even in this little phrase here. It's something about, I think the word eon is here. I think it's before or way before the world began, okay, in eons past. So this, what we're going to be studying here um, is the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. Okay. Really, way beyond the beginning of this world. Okay. In fact, here it is in uh, the Revised Version. I, I like the way this is put. The mystery which has been kept in silence, and that is the word, word there, silence. It's not really secret. It's more silence than secret. Uh, so the mystery which has been kept in silence through times eternal. And we'll talk more about that, but this points to you know, an agreement. Uh, the Bible calls it the council of peace between the Father and the Son. The plan for our redemption, which was kept in silence through times eternal, through the eons. First Corinthians 2, verse 7 says, but we speak, this is Paul saying, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So we are really looking in the billions of stars um, as we begin this study. And then Titus 1 verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. This reminds me of the uh, book of Hebrews talks about God who uh, cannot lie. How he uh, you know, took an oath. He swore by himself and so on. Here you go, right there. Okay, so, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie 
promised before time began. You understand that? God promised us eternal life before we ever came into existence. Think about that. God promised us eternal life before time began. So what we're studying is not uh, a plan that is recent in any way, shape, or form. Again, in 2 Timothy uh, 1 verse 9, I'm going to start about halfway through there, I guess. It says, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So again, uh, we are looking into eternity past. We're really um, looking into the heart of God when we study this topic. Indeed, um, the whole creation of the whole universe, and we'll focus on this world, you know, it came out of a relational God, right? Uh, the, the Father and the Son, who are relational gods. And therefore, they, you know, they brought... Um, worlds into existence. They brought planet Earth into existence. Um, so the, the whole beginning of our existence comes from uh, the love of God. I mean, that's, that's the basis. Um, according to His own purpose and grace, we should think about the Godhead and the, their relationship and you know, a sharing, a social relationship, if I can use that word. And out of that came the um, out of that came you know, the magnificent bringing into being um, a race created after God's own image. We I just say this one more time. This is we should understand both you know, our creation and certainly the plan of redemption as the fruit of the love between the Father and the Son. Okay. Now, uh, we're moving on now. We're going to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1 for uh, quite a bit of our time this morning. Uh, for that, I uh, have this quote here from an author by the name of John Stott. I'm sorry. Many of you, uh, everybody get a handout on the way in? He wrote this, he said, God the Father is the source or origin of every blessing we enjoy. His initiative is set forth plainly, for he is himself the subject of almost every verb in these verses. This is a, this is a quote on Ephesians chapter 1, at least the first 13 verses, or something like that. So he's saying, you know, grammatically, God is the subject in you know, all these verses here. And that is true. However, uh, as we look at these verses, we see that Jesus is very, very front and center. I shouldn't say but. I should say that is true, what John Stott wrote, and 
Nevertheless, Jesus is very, very integral in, in this passage, as we're going to see. And as this uh, illustrates here, we have verse 3, all these blessings come in Christ. You know, verse 4, in Him, referring to Jesus. Verse 5, by Jesus Christ. Verse 6, in the Beloved. Another reference to Jesus. And verse 7, in Him. So all these heavenly blessings, which are immense, come in Jesus. Now, so we go here to our, the beginning of our uh, passage here in Ephesians. So Ephesians 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You notice here that uh, this is a doc, this is a, I want to use the term doxology, so blessed be God and Father. Okay. So here, Paul is blessing God, blessing the Father. And encouraging us to do the same thing. What do we bless him with? Well, words. Okay. <laughs> Just words. Hopefully a life behind those words. But notice the other side of the coin. Who has blessed us. So blessed be the Father who has blessed us. What has he blessed us with? With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So, I used to think of this as, uh, you know, this is many years ago before you know, Amazon was building these mammoth uh, warehouses, like we have one down in Grand Rapids, and I think they're building another one. But um, I used to kind of picture it this way, you know, heaven has, you know, an immense you know, warehouse with, a spiritual blessing for every possible human need in every circumstance in this fallen world. And in Jesus, they are all are ours. And in fact, uh, there's a story of the man who um, had come from Europe back way back in the day. Had come from Europe to try to get himself settled and then bring his family later. And, and so he was in New York and he, you know, was struggling and barely able to bring together any money at all. And then, unfortunately, he got a letter, okay, a letter. So you, it wasn't a, a phone call. So, you know, we're going back in the day and somebody back home was gravely ill. So he decided, you know, he, he had to go back. So he scraped together his pennies and he got himself a you know, ticket down underneath on a boat. And the day came, he filled a suitcase with cheese and crackers to eat on a long journey over. And the trip began. So during the day, he'd walk along the ship, or, you know, around the ship, and which meant he had to walk past the various cafeterias on that ship. Uh, that was the only way he could get his exercise. And he could smell the 
you know, mashed potatoes and gravy and whatever else was coming out of there. But every day he was having, you know, three times a day, cheese and crackers or sometimes crackers and cheese down in his room. And so finally one day he had enough of it and he knew he had a few, you know, pennies left. And so he went to ask somebody, how much would it cost to get one, just one meal? Sir, uh, pardon me? I'm here, you know, I got my ticket. I just want to know how much it would cost me to to get a meal, a warm meal in the cafeteria. And um, the man said, well, sir, didn't you know the meals come with the ticket? And that's the way it is. Literally, uh, every spiritual blessing is literally uh, in Jesus. When we have Jesus, we are rich. So, um, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Um, Now I tend to look at this, uh, well, we'll get into this as we go on, but um, Christ, or Jesus, is in heaven, and really, He took us with Him there. And Ephesians brings this out a little bit later, and we'll we'll talk about that as we go on. But as a practical matter, in Jesus, every spiritual blessing that we could possibly need uh, in whatever circumstance life brings our way. And, you know, if you've been around a while, or um, depending on, you know, as a pastor, and many of us know that there's a lot of circumstances that can happen in this fallen world. And just thank God that there is a spiritual blessing that heaven has prepared for every single circumstance. No matter where we find ourselves, God can help us. Anyway, um, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So I guess I already mentioned this. He blessed us with what? With spiritual blessings. Now, I have this here, and I'll just tell you frankly, uh, my wife said I shouldn't have this slide here. And you might not even find it in your, uh, in your handout there, because I did take it out, and then I put it back in, and so on. What is said here, I just want to say, is it in the handout? Okay. Well, what this, in this commentary here is saying is just not true. It's off, okay? And so that's one reason I thought I took it out of the handout because I didn't want... But I, it just helped me to see so clearly what the whole passage really is saying that um, I decided to leave it in there, okay? So this is a, it doesn't matter the name or anything, but this is based on uh, Ephesians 1, verse 3 and, and the following verses. Uh, but he says the Greek... Here, translated, who has blessed, he says, is an aorist participle. Um, so, obviously, aorist is one of the tenses in Greek. Uh, and, you know, there's two parts of tenses. One is a, uh, whether it's past, present, or future. But especially in Greek, the type of time is even more important. Uh, aorist tends to be past tense, generally. Uh, 
and it is a punctiliar type of action. So it's not a continuous action, like, like uh, you know, I was writing. It's, I wrote, but it's not just simple that way. It is a, as I said, it's a punctiliar action. It, it took place, and it, and it finished, okay? So, that, did that make sense, what I just said? So, and he explains it correctly here. So he says, the Greek translated, who has blessed, you know, who has blessed, who has blessed us, is an aorist participle, which may refer to a particular occasion in the past, when those blessings were first received or when he brought them to humanity. Okay, okay. Then he says this, but the tense is not of necessity to be pressed. In other words, he's kind of saying, well, don't pay too much attention to the particular word that Paul chose here, or the particular tense that Paul chose here. And I strongly disagree with that. He says, he goes on to say, with every spiritual blessing, with every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing probably should have been in quotes, I guess, suggests that from him comes one continuous flow of blessing. Well, if that's what Paul had in his mind, he would have used, you know, a present tense, a continuous tense. That's not what Paul did. He is pointing back to the days of eternity. And this should be very clear as we go on here. He's saying, at a point in time in the past, heaven blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That makes sense. Okay. And the thing is, a lot of these commentators they don't have a great controversy, you know, viewpoint. Um, they don't think that much about you know how sin entered this universe and so on like that. So anyway, yeah, this is something that happened at in a point of time in the past. And yes, we could still enjoy the fruit of that but it happened in the days of eternity. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing uh, in Jesus. Okay? And then verse 4, by the way, uh, our, our verb here is also uh, an, an aorist tense. Just as he chose us in him. So, this is aorist tense. This is a past tense, or, and it's a, a point of time tense. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So this, this text tells us that, and then the Father is the subject of this, uh, this whole uh, series of verses here. He chose us. So he blessed us. In the days of eternity past with every spiritual blessing, and he also chose us in the days of eternity. Chose us in him, in Jesus, obviously, before the foundation of the world. So we, we must, you know, take in this blessing that before this world was ever brought into existence, certainly before we were ever born, we were chosen. We were chosen by God. Um, that's before we did good, before we did bad. 
we were chosen. Now, probably many of you relate to this, especially the males, but probably most of us, maybe, many of us at least. I remember when I was growing up, whether it was basketball or football or whatever it was, whatever team sport, there always came a time when there was two captains chosen, and then they began to choose, you know, the ones that they wanted on their team, right? And then it came down, you know, to the last two guys, right? <laughs> and uh, it was always a little uncomfortable. Uh, most of the time, I don't think I was chosen first in most sports, but most of the time I escaped from being chosen last. You know, but you can, you know, even then, you know, I would feel for the people, you know, and it would almost be like in the end, it'd be like, well, whatever, you guys can go whichever team you want, you know, you're of no value anyway, you know, and uh, I just need to announce to us all here that we have all been chosen by our Heavenly Father. And really, Nothing can change that choice because we hadn't, we had not done one thing the time this choice was made. It has nothing to do with us. It all flows from the heart of love. And it's all explained in this verse when it says, chose us in Him. Because it points to a time in the days of eternity when the Father and the Son came together and Put together the plan of redemption. Should something go wrong, they planned out, you know, I'm using human words here, uh, but they planned out the plan of redemption, which is mathematically just and has, is full of mercy and so on. Not a haphazard plan. Touches all the needs need for justice, the need for mercy, uh, the need for the vindication of God, and, and so on and so forth. So what this is really saying here is that the Father accepted that plan. He had full trust that Jesus would fulfill, which it really you know, was on Jesus' shoulders, to go through the steps. The Father had full trust that Jesus would go through the steps even though uh, Jesus had every opportunity to check out of the plan and even considered it in the Garden of Gethsemane and so on. It was not a cakewalk. That's a great understatement, right? What this is telling us is that the Father accepted the plan. And He, ahead of time, accepted what Jesus would do on our behalf. So in Him, He chose us. And this would include every single human being that ever enters this world. Because it's all in Jesus. Now, here we go, the book Desire of Ages. Wonderful book. The plan for our redemption was not an afterthought, a plan formulated after the fall of Adam. Can you imagine? You know, here's the father, oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? You know. 
No, it was not an afterthought. Notice here, it was an unfolding of the principles that from eternal ages have been the foundation of God's throne. So it was an unfolding of the principles. Grace, love, justice, mercy. That from eternal ages have been the foundation of God's throne. That's the plan of redemption. The plan of redemption is, is a revelation of the character of God. And if, the, if Lucifer had a million years, he could not have come up with that plan. It's not just based on a great intellect. It's based on infinite love. And more explanation here. From the beginning, God and Christ knew of the apostasy of Satan and of the fall of man through the deceptive power of the apostate. I'm just trying to answer questions that may arise in the mind as I go through here, and this is one. So, yes, God knew, but he goes on to say, God did not ordain that sin should exist. He knew, but he did not ordain it. But he foresaw its existence and made provision to meet the terrible emergency. That's the mystery that's, that was kept in silence uh, from the days of eternity, from ages past. It's, just, it's incredible. It goes on to say, so great was his love for the world that he covenanted to give his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is what I said before, you know, that it's, it's an outflowing of the love between the Father and the Son. They came together. Infinite sacrifice for both of them. They did not want to lose us. If, uh, you know, parents, they make provisions, right? Like, they don't want something to happen to their children. And they make provisions, and they make provisions ahead of time. Uh, you know, if they're going to go canoeing, they certainly take some life jackets with them, and so on. And, and this is infinite love, making an unspeakable provision so that they would not lose us. And heaven was so excited. Father and the Son were so excited to bring a new race of being into existence. And they already made provision. You, know, you can almost sense, well, what if something goes wrong? You know, and they made provision. Why? They couldn't bear the thought of losing anybody in this room right here for eternity. It's awesome. So, that was verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And 2 Timothy 1, verse 9, uh, just commenting on uh, verses we've just looked at, speaks about grace. Again, so he chose us in him. Okay? He chose us in him for the foundation of the world. Well, this talks about grace was given to us 
in Christ Jesus. In other words, in Him before time began. So we have to be clear uh, that grace was given us before our great-great-great-grandparents ever laid a thought on us. We were chosen by God to spend eternity in relationship with Him. It's outflowing of His love. Okay? Grace was given us. We usually, a lot of times we speak of grace, you know, after we, you know, sin, right? Or after we offend our brother, please have, you know, grace. The Lord extended us grace before we ever came into existence. Infinite grace. Indeed. And what I've already said should explain this verse here, or the word, at least the big word there, having predestinated us to adoption as sons. We can certainly say as daughters by Jesus Christ to himself. So he predestinated us to be his children. That's our destiny. Again, I will say every single human being is destined to be God's child. Now, a letter was written to a man by the name of John Harvey Kellogg. This, this, so I've said several times that every human being was chosen and every human being was predestinated. That's all true. But I'm not a universalist, okay? There we go. So here is the letter written to John Harvey Kellogg. These promises, this is uh, direct uh, commentary on Ephesians chapter 1, these verses here. These promises are not made to a few. Indeed, they're made to everybody. But, it says, to all who will come to the heavenly banquet. That God has prepared. How did he prepare this banquet? By sending his son to our world to die in our behalf that through faith in Him, we should become one with God. There's a lot in that right there. We're going to talk more about like the last phrase. We should become one with God, and so on. But notice here, these promises are for all who will come to the heavenly banquet. This means that all are certainly invited. The question I ask is, who wouldn't come to the heavenly banquet? So it's not narrow at all, it's very wide. A wonderful thing. That takes us to uh, the next step in the plan of redemption. Uh, that is, and the Word became flesh, which is actually uh, the title for tomorrow's presentation. Uh, so we're just going to touch on that at this point. Uh, the Word became flesh. And here is the beginning of those steps that needed to be taken for our redemption. In uh, John chapter 1, it says, uh, All things were made by Him. It's at uh, verse 3, I think. Right? All things were made by Him. Well, in the Greek, it's the same word, that's the same verb that's in this verse. What it literally says is, all things became by Him. 
through the Word, through Jesus, that all things came into being, or all things became. So the one who brought all things into being, in, into existence, the one who, through whom all things became, himself became flesh. So if you can picture that. And uh, just a few comments on that here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. So, this is fairly emphatic. Uh, here in the book of Hebrews, uh, it's fairly emphatic. The Word became flesh, and here it's he, who? Him, Jesus, right? He himself. It wasn't a, a step in for him. It was he himself likewise shared in the same flesh and blood. This, of course, is a momentous step in uh, the plan of redemption. And Desire of Ages, that wonderful book, Desire of Ages, page 48 makes this comment. It would have been an almost infinite humiliation for the Son of God to take man's nature even when Adam stood in his innocence in Eden. So it would have been an almost infinite humiliation for Jesus to become man even when Adam stood in his innocence in Eden. So if Jesus would have become man before sin entered this world, it would have been the whole universe could not have comprehended the humiliation of God. But, it goes on to say, Jesus accepted humanity when the race had been weakened by 4,000 years of sin. And this is, you know, we grew up here, and this is breathtaking. Absolutely breathtaking. An author by the name of Thomas Torrance uh, was, a, was a Scottish uh, preacher and theologian. His, uh, he was a chaplain in, I think, uh, I think it was World War I. Could have been, I'm pretty sure it was World War I. Could have been World War II. It doesn't matter. He was a chaplain, and, and he, as he did often, came upon a dying man, a dying boy, really, uh, you know, 18 year old, and the boy asked him this question. He said, Is God, is God in heaven, is he really like Jesus? That's what he wanted to know because he had a misconception of you know, God in heaven. He could understand Jesus to an extent. That, that was his question, his dying question. And this young chaplain had made a deep impression on him, and he studied the rest of his life uh, um, to answer in his own heart and mind that sort of haunting question. And of course, we know the answer, don't we? The answer is absolutely. Jesus said, you know, he who has seen me has seen the Father, and on and on and on. Anyway, Thomas Torrance, uh, and just because I quote him here doesn't mean I you know, agree with every single word he ever wrote. So just be clear about that. But he... I like what he said here. He said, but if the first creation 
was the creation of man in the image of God, the recreation is through an act in which God himself condescends to take on himself the image of man. You know, they accused Jesus. They said, um, you being a man, you know, make yourself God, right? You being a man, make yourself God. Can anybody tell me what number slide I'm on right now? 25? Okay, thank you. I just need to know where I'm at here. I'm, uh, I think, uh, anyway, all right. I'm not sure. Anyway, here we go. So, the, the truth is, is that him being God made himself man. So, there we go. All right. Now, 15 minutes left here. Romans 6, verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. So, Jesus became flesh. When Jesus was crucified, um, it was human nature that was crucified. When Jesus was crucified, it was human nature that was crucified. He took upon himself human nature. Human nature was crucified. That's, that's, I'm just saying, that's just a, a, a plain, that's what happened. Because he was human nature, he was crucified. Just leave it at that for right now. And, uh, but now think of this in that light. Desire of Ages, page 25. In taking our nature, the Savior has bound Himself to humanity by a tie that is never to be broken. Through the eternal ages, He is linked with us. So, it was humanity that was crucified. Humanity went into that grave. Again, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His only begotten Son to humanity. This was for eternity. This was not for 33 years. This was for eternity. That's what we just read here bound himself to humanity by a tie that is never to be broken. Through the eternal ages, he is linked with humanity. You know, you may not think very much of yourself. There may be plenty of people who don't think that much of you. But Jesus thinks enough of you and I. And he bound himself to us for eternity, the creator of the universe. Now, he gave him not only to bear our sins and to die as our sacrifice, he gave him to the fallen race to assure us of his immutable counsel of peace. That us is you and I, that's personal. To assure 
you and I of His immutable counsel of peace, God gave His only begotten Son to become one of the human family forever to retain His human nature. This was a part of the plan that was conceived from the days of eternity. It was necessary. So he linked himself with humanity forever. Humanity was crucified. Humanity went into the grave. Praise God. Humanity came out of the grave. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6, God made us alive together with Christ. Why? Because He bore our humanity. He was one with us. He raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are so united to Jesus that we can say, or Paul can say, he took us to heaven and has seated us together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's all in him. In him, we are there around the throne of God. As I said earlier, we are accepted in the beloved. That means in the one who is loved. Loved by who? Loved by the Father. We share in that exact love. Now, right now, he raises up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just notice here, this is Ephesians 1.20, speaking really directly about us. He raised us from the dead, and seated him, or he raised him from the dead, sorry, this is about Jesus. He raised him from the dead and then seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Ephesians 2 6, he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Notice the emphasis here. Raised him from the dead, raised us up together with him. Again, seated him at his right hand, made us sit together at his right hand. This is a reality. This is where we are right now. <laughs> we have every reason to rejoice every day. This is not hyperbole. Okay? This is because he's united with us. We are, we are the center of this thing. And oh yeah, the last part of Ephesians 1.20, in the heavenly places, which we also find in Ephesians 2.6, in the heavenly places. Uh, some of you are looking at your slides. I, 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 at least the one I have right here, I think uh, there's some mix-up in what's in there. But anyway, okay. So Ephesians 1.20, Ephesians 2.6. We are brought in close connection with Jesus in his resurrection, in his glorification in heaven around the throne of God. We are in it with him. Okay? Now, here we go. This is my last slide. Actually, there's one right after it, but this thought is my last slide. And we have a few minutes for questions. Okay. It says here, 
Desire of Ages, page 25, just a wonderful commentary on the life of Jesus. In Christ, the family of earth and the family of heaven are bound together. Okay, that's what we've just been studying, right? In Christ, that's our title today, right? Forever linked. So in Christ, we've also emphasized that. From the days of eternity, it was in Him. Uh, we'll talk more about exactly what that means. But in Christ, the family of earth, the family of heaven are bound together. Christ glorified is our brother. Christ glorified, He's our brother. Of course, He's our brother. That's why we're seated together with Him at the throne of God. And there's this sentence here. It's just unbelievable. Heaven is enshrined in humanity. And humanity is enfolded in the bosom of infinite love. Now, I thought about this a long time, okay? And, you know, they've taken a, a few of, uh, uh, like, the book Desire of Ages. They've taken it and, I guess, I don't know what the proper word is, but they've simplified it a little bit. And uh, I, I've never read one of those books but in this one here, I just really long to understand what this was saying. You know, heaven is enshrined in humanity, and I'll talk about it in a minute, and humanity is enfolded in the bosom of infinite love. So I actually turn to the sort of easy edition, and here it is. For Christ glorified is our brother. Heaven is enshrined in humanity. So heaven is enshrined in humanity, and you know what a shrine is, especially like if you've been to... Uh, let's say, a Catholic or an Orthodox country, like I have, been in both Romania and Philippines, you sometimes see a shrine, especially out in the villages in Romania, you see shrines with, you know, the Mary or the deity or whatever inside the shrine. So a shrine is a place to house something that is sacred, right? So this part is saying that human race is a shrine for humanity. Heaven is enshrined in humanity. Well, Jesus perfectly represents the principles of heaven, right? Perfectly is an exact replica of the principles of heaven. And so, we could read here, Jesus is enshrined in humanity by Jesus being our brother, by being united with him, heaven itself is enshrined in humanity. This is our calling. This is our destiny. And then it says, and humanity is enclosed in the embrace of infinite love. This is the plan of our redemption. So that we become closer than had we never sinned. All right. Any questions or comments? As you can see, I'm, I'm a great sharer. I shared very unselfishly. I left you five minutes here. <laughs> yes, sir. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. I, I understand that. I would, as we study on in this, I hope you come. I hope you can come.
uh, I should say this, when, when humanity rose in Jesus, Jesus' resurrection was an example of our resurrection. We will not rise in carnal natures. It will be, this mortal will put on immortality and so on. Okay. And uh, the, the thing you've brought up is, you know, it's, it's fairly, uh, well, it's, I'll just say this. Uh, I think, um, I hope that we will, yeah, rep- he is our representative, but he's more than our representative. Um, he took us into himself. Uh, and, and, and that's all I can say for right now, but yeah. Yes. I like where it says, and raised us up together and made us sit together. And, and makes it cool. We better get along with our neighbor pretty good. <laughs> right. That's a good point. <laughs> you know what? If we can understand, and, and, and even in harmony with this brother's uh, um, statement here, um, it's clear that we are we're, we're centered there around the growth. Any way you look at it, I mean, t- that's what it says. We are there, even if it's even if it's in the heart of God, you know, which would be um, maybe a little bit lesser understanding of the verse than what I'm suggesting. But even if that's all it is, we should easily, and I'm not saying I do, but we should easily get along with our enemies because we have so much we have, we have so much to rejoice in. Melissa, you got the last question here. Um, oh, wait. We talked a lot about the Father and the Son in the plan of salvation. How do we see the Holy Spirit being in Oh, I knew you were going to do that to me. And <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to answer that, Well, um, the thing is, like, I have a whole series, a whole message oh, wow. called that did follow this, and as I presented at my churches and, and whatnot, and uh, really delves into that. And when I plan to do is kind of, instead I kind of split that apart, uh, so whenever I have some extra room at the end of that day's presentation, I, I plan to start presenting that, but if I don't, I'll present the meat of that on the last day, okay? I, I need to pray. Thank you so much. I hope you've been blessed. Well, I'll just pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your just giving everything for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.